you got to ask three questions. What am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? And where in this world is there a need to do what I'm good at? This is how I actually really feel about faith in the workplace. Each one of us has a gift, and God wants us to utilize that gift. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are celebrating. Uh, this is Jason Dennis, your uh, host for the next uh, almost hour or so, and I appreciate you joining us. But we're celebrating because uh, we have now arrived at our second birthday for the Run the Race podcast. We've been doing this for, for two years now, since November of uh, 2019, early November, did our first episode. Now this is number 87, so uh, not quite every week, but close to that. So uh, we appreciate you uh, tuning in, listening on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or WTVM.com slash podcast. You can listen to any of the previous episodes, and we hope you share it with your friends. You know, we, we, we hope to inspire you and motivate you when uh, it comes to issues of fitness or faith, just overall just trying to strive to be a better person in this world, you know, this, this short time that we have here uh, on, on Earth. So uh, I, I appreciate you uh, giving a listen. We have a great guest today talking about servant leadership. What does that mean to be a servant leader and and you know striving to do that the, all our lives, giving to other people? So uh, Kelvin Red, one of the top leadership coaches in all of Georgia and Alabama. I just met him recently. In fact, uh, we, he was the uh, keynote speaker at the House of Heroes Heart of Serving Luncheon here in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, he is based in East Alabama in Phoenix City, and so uh, he has some really insightful stuff. Uh, to talk about in terms of finding your purpose, uh, self-awareness, kind of the why for you and how to use God's gifts and, and uh, you know, defining who you are. But before we get to uh, the real introduction and uh, our, our great chat with him, uh, this is Veterans Day that this episode is coming out. I'm not sure when you're listening, but, uh, you know, we definitely salute all our military who have served past uh, and, and present and uh, honor all your sacrifices. And later in this episode, uh, after you hear my interview with uh, Kelvin, uh, I'm going to kind of give you a quick list of some of the podcast episodes we've had so far, at least a dozen, uh, really some cool, uh, you know, really um, insightful chats with uh, some veterans, some soldiers, uh, some, some heroes uh, who I've had the opportunity, the pleasure to talk with. Uh, but first of all, you know, speaking of kind of servant leadership, you know, obviously, Jesus modeled that better than anybody else for us. Um, but, you know, it's all about um, serving others, striving to do that, right? Well, I saw a movie recently that, that maybe you've seen, and maybe you've seen this on Broadway or on stage somewhere. Uh, the, the, the play or the movie is called Dear Evan Hansen, and it's about a boy who is um, dealing with anxiety, depression. He's very shy, and he's dealing with a lot of mental health issues. Uh, and he's a high schooler. You know, uh, teenagers are dealing with a lot these days, maybe more so than usual. And uh, he, he writes a note to himself, an assignment from a counselor. It starts, Dear Evan Hansen, writes a note to himself. Well, another uh, classmate finds it and takes it with him, and that classmate ends up killing himself. So they find this note and think that maybe he had his friend and, and wrote this note to him, Dear Evan Hansen. So uh, I won't give away kind of what else happens in the story, but I had not seen it as a play before. I saw it as a movie. But I wanted to kind of, um, you know, uh, you know, I like to sing. Uh, so, you know, as a celebration for the second year anniversary of this podcast, I wanted to give you a, a little version of a, a song, you know, in fact, it starts off with some questions, so I'm just going to ask these to you. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear, like you could fall, and no one would hear? You know, those are questions that maybe you ask yourself, and, you know, I pray that those who need help get help. And, you know, those are questions a lot of us ask about finding purpose, and that's, you know, my conversation in the podcast today is about that. But uh, the chorus, um, and this is going to be the Stuck in My Head segment today, the song is called You Will Be Found. It goes, Even when the dark comes crashing through, When you need a friend to carry you, And when you're broken on the ground, You will be found. So let the sun come streaming in, Because you'll reach up and you'll rise again. Lift your head and look around. You will be found. You will be found. So uh, that's 
guess my best version of it, at least on the mic here. So, um, you know, and I hope that inspires you and, and other folks. You know, go go out and watch the, the movie, Dear Evan Hansen. But if you have a friend, a coworker, a family member, you know, maybe you haven't heard from them in a while, or maybe you know they're they're feeling down. Um, you never know what people are going through. So ask questions, reach out, um, and if you're going through something really heavy, something involving you know anxiety, depression. Um, you know, anything like that, OCD, you know, anything that you're going through, um, get help. Uh, there's people out there that, and we just want to be loved. And, and, and that's what my conversation in part is, is about with uh, Kelvin Red, who's the CEO of Kelvin Red LLC. He's actually the only African-American to ever write uh, two books on servant leadership. We talk about both of his books, uh, Amazon best-selling books, in fact. He's the only master emergenetics associate in both Alabama and Georgia. We talk about what emergenetics is, uh, along with being a leadership coach in Alabama and Georgia. Uh, he's had a lot of success uh, you know, helping out businesses and clients like Alabama Power, Georgia Power, Morehouse College, Spelman, Auburn University, the University of Georgia, at Wake Forest University and more. He got his Bachelor's of Arts degree in history from Auburn University. He says War Eagle. And he has his Master of Science and Management degree with a leadership and organizational effectiveness concentration. That's from Troy University. And he is uh, not stopping the school yet. He's currently pursuing a PhD in organizational behavior. He worked for a decade at the Pastoral Institute where they provide a, kind of a Christ-based uh, counseling and, and so many other services uh, in, in this area of the Chattahoochee Valley. He's the former director there at the Center for Servant Leadership. He um, has also used his gifts, uh, you know, in the in the in the private sector, working for 15 years uh, for for a bank. That we'll talk about, kind of, you know, how he maybe left that to to pursue something he really truly loved. He has spoken in 35 different states, so been all around the nation, and I'm sure he'll tack on some more states onto that very soon. So uh, I'd like to introduce to you Kelvin Red. I'd like to uh, welcome Kelvin Red, the CEO of Kelvin Red LLC, to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Yeah. Now, we met uh, just recently uh, as you were the keynote speaker at the House of Heroes yes. Heart of Serving Luncheon here in Columbus, Georgia. So uh, it was great to hear your stories. And I was like, I, I need to invite him on. You know, <laughs> got some, some great uh, tips for us about uh, all kinds of things. We're going to talk about your 10 years working for the uh, Pastoral Institute uh-huh. and the fact that you've lost like 20 plus pounds uh, yeah. during the pandemic. Again. <laughs> yes, again, again. So we're talking about fitness on here and just some different uh, workshops you yeah. do and, and mm-hmm. finding your purpose. But first of all, I wanted to talk about something that is key to what you do for a living, yes. servant leadership. Yes. And I want to break that down because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people hear the word servant yes. and they think it's a negative connotation. Uh-huh. Like, I don't want to, you know, like be a servant and just yes. lay down for somebody. And, and what does that have to do with leadership? So tell me about you know, um, when people hear that servant leadership, I mean, is there a, a, maybe a positive thoughts about it or? Well, here's what's really funny about servant leadership. I, I meet a lot of people who say I'm a servant leader. I want to be a servant leader. And people talk about it. And I'm working on my Ph.D. right now. And so I have written a great deal about servant leader leadership. And what's really interesting, there's no definitive definition out there. Oh. So several years ago, some of my coworkers and I, we got together on a Friday morning. We said, we're going to come up with our own definition. And it was about four of us, maybe five. And we had the coffee and donuts, and we had the whiteboard, the markers, you name it. And we sat there, and we bantered around all these ideas, we came up with the definition, the qualities. Well, actually, we bantered around, and then about three months later, we had the definition. But that's what <laughs> happened. And so here's the definition of servant leadership. Servant leadership is a lifelong journey that includes the discovery of oneself, a desire to serve others, and a commitment to lead. Gotcha. That's it. And so if you unpack that definition, there are four key parts to that. First of all, it's a lifelong journey. So in other words, you know, I hear people say, well, I'm, I'm a servant leader. I say, well, I cringe. Because really, you're on the journey toward being a servant leader. Because when you're on this journey, you never arrive. You're always in a state of becoming. Yes. Like you're all, you can always better your best. Um, it's a desire to serve others. So service is very, very important. Um, but also, there's a piece of that definition that I need to circle back to. And that's the discovery of oneself. And that's the part that I spend a lot of time on, that self-awareness piece. When I worked at the Pastoral Institute and I had access to meeting with Mr. Bill Turner on a monthly basis for almost 10 years, 
he would repeatedly say, whether it was to me or any audience that I heard him speak to, that self-awareness was the most important characteristic of a servant leader. Mm. So you've got a lot of people in positions of leadership, and they have never read a book on leadership. They haven't been through any training on leadership. But we require this in almost every other field in our workplace. But we don't require that of a lot of leaders. So you put people in positions. I know someone personally right now, they just got out of college, and they're thrust into a supervisory position, and they have not a clue what they're doing. And it's no fault of their own. It's, it's that a lot of people, most people, focus on the operational side of their job and not the people. Yeah. But in order to focus on the people, you got to focus on yourself first. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. be able to love others yeah. and love yourself. Yeah, you got to understand who you are. Like, yeah. what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Like, what's your purpose? What's your reason for being? Because a lot of people get up and go to work today because that's what they did yesterday, and they're one step closer to a goal they don't have. Wow. So it's, a, it's an evolution. It's, it it's, is. You're, you're always striving to be better as a, as a servant leader yes. and giving to others. So do you find that folks, um, you know, that... It, it, that it's difficult because, you know, you know, it's naturally we're kind of selfish in some mm-hmm, ways mm-hmm. and self-absorbed mm-hmm. and like, what, you know, what do I get out of it kind yes. of thing. So um, is do you find that a lot of people maybe don't want to make those sacrifices that it requires to be yes. a servant leader? Well, we live in a society, right, and especially now with social media. And social media in so many ways, it makes you, it's like, it's all about me. What can I get out of it? It's not about Jason. It's not about John. It's about me. So in so many ways, we've kind of created this selfish culture. And that's why in a lot of environments, self-awareness is not highly thought of because it's countercultural. Like most organizations are top down. Like the leader says, we're going to do this and everybody does it. But a true organization, and some people don't even call it servant leadership, but they're servant leaders. A true organization where you have servant leaders Um, they they empower the employees and they empower the employees to get things done and they take their suggestions they treat them very very well you know we talked about me working at the Pastoral Institute for 10 years but 13 years I worked at Sonovas Mm -hmm. when they were voted the best place to work in America and that's where I really learned about you know the, the, the fundamentals of servant leadership during that particular time period so when I work with companies now I base everything off of what I learned those 13 years at Sonovas. Yeah. So I know what good leadership is, but I also know what good leadership is not. Yes. yes. So you, you see yes. uh, people have modeled the, the good and the bad and the ugly. Exactly, exactly. And when I'm doing a workshop and I'm talking about you know uh, any of the qualities of a servant leader or just high-performing teams, all you have to do is look into the audience. The body language of the participants will tell you if they're really engaged at work or if it's one of those things, just give me a paycheck and let me go home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Different motivations. Yes. Um, and you were talking, you know, when, when you um, gave, you know, were speaking at this event we were at uh, recently, you talked about, you know, kind of, uh, you know, lessons you've learned and, yes. and stories from church as well. Yes. So how does, how do you think faith plays a role in, the, in somebody being a leader uh-huh. or somebody serving others? Um, is that something, I know you were, you were talking uh-huh. about doing a video on that yeah. soon. So tell me about um, how faith and, and what you believe in, in terms of going to church and everything uh-huh. else, how that connects with it. I've never said this publicly before. And, and this is how I actually really feel about faith in the workplace. Each one of us has a gift. And God wants us to utilize that gift. Like he wants us to till the land here on, on, on earth. Like you go to work and you use the gifts that I want you to use, that I've, I've bestowed upon you. So when someone goes to work and they're in a toxic work environment or they have a bad boss or an overbearing or manipulating or a micromanaging boss, my attitude has always been, well, who are you to get into God's way when he's gifted this person to do the work he wants him to do? Why are you doing this to that individual? So that's where that's where I think my faith walk uh, comes from when I'm working with individuals in these different corporations and school systems and whatever. I just want people to realize the gifts that God has given them. Yeah. And speaking of that, you know, finding your purpose. I mean, that's yes. what, and some people call it like, you know, uh, what is God's will for my yes. life? You know, but, uh, you know, that's something whether you're, you know, 12, 18 years mm-hmm. old, maybe 40, 50, yes. 60 years old, finding your purpose. Is yes. that something that Maybe a lot of us just end up not doing or maybe because some people do a job and yes. it's not what they love or what they're good at. Yes. Perhaps. Well, here's the thing. Now, I've, I've been critical of social media, but one of the good things about social media is that we've been inundated with texts and stories and videos about purpose. 
and how important it is. And so, but a lot of people, um, from my observation, is that they don't necessarily go through life asking themselves the question, like, why am I here? And man, or excuse me, they don't do it consistently. And that's one of the questions man always asks himself, like, why am I here? Or woman, why am I here? And for me personally, it's not easy. Like, I'm at an age right now where I, I keep telling myself, I wish I had known this 15 <laughs> or 20 years ago. You know, so yeah. as I, when I say it, you're always in a state of becoming and that is it is a journey, I'm a testimony to that, yeah. you know. But when I work with groups, if I can get a handle on you early, you know, no pun intended, but if I can get to you early, <laughs> my, my workshops, I'm not going to come in and, and, and just like, like, just really just, you know, yell and scream and this kind of thing. Um, although I do love giving keynote speeches. I want you to think. I want you to re- when I walk away, I want people to say, you know, he really made me think. And that's where that's where I come from with that. Yeah. Is there a, a, a secret sauce or a key ingredient to finding that purpose? Because I mean, is it something that maybe it's that you enjoy doing something mm-hmm. or that you're good at something? Mm-hmm. And what what is it um, about that purpose? Because that maybe, like you said, it could change. When yes. Your purpose at 25 could be different yes. than when you're 55. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, we go through different stages in life. And so who I was at 25 and my purpose then is a little bit different than what it is. Now. It's, it's a lot different because I didn't know then. Um, there are three questions that I got from a gentleman by the name of Andy Fleming. When I was working at Synovus, he facilitated our workshop for the uh, Synovus Leadership Institute. And we went up to Aberdeen Woods outside of uh, Noonan. And we checked in on a Sunday night at 6, and we left, I think, the following Friday by noon. We spent a whole week there, battery of... And it was also kind of managed also by the Pastoral Institute, although it was with Synovus. And so we took all these personality tests and all these kinds of things. But one of the things that Andy used to ask the question, he says, you got to ask three questions. What am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? And where in this world is there a need to do what I'm good at and what I enjoy doing? Um, and, and, and you can put all that in, into, into play. Now, as I kid with college students, when I say, well, you know, what are you, what are you good at and what do you enjoy doing? Make sure it's legally and morally right. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but um, I've always been good at speaking. And ironically, it was years ago, I've envisioned myself where I am right now. But as I, I've told my wife and I've told other family members, you know, when I was growing up, nobody ever told me I could really do this. <laughs> For a living. <laughs> For a living. You know, it's only as, as society began to change and I grew and I got exposed and I traveled. It's like, you know what? I can actually do that. So I think that's one of, you got to find out what you're good at. And, I, and although we live in a society right now uh, where, where Simon, Simic, Simon, Simon Sinek talks about the why, mm-hmm. I also think the what is important. Because there are a lot of people, they understand, that, well, I'm here to serve people. But I always ask the question, okay, you're here to serve people, but you're here to serve people doing what? Because a lot of people can't answer that question. I have c- coaching clients, and I ask them that, that question, and a lot of them cannot answer it. Hmm. And a lot of it has to do because they, they're at different stages of their lives. Like, for instance, I've got a, uh, a former educator. Um, they're ba- well, they're about to be a former educator. Well, they've been teaching for about 30 years. Well, now it's like... What do I do now? I'm still young. Your identity has been wrapped up. My identity has been wrapped around education. What do I do now? Do I consult? Do I go back into the classroom? Do I start a business? So that what is very, very important. That the how you do it because you could have great intentions, but exactly you got to put that you know put your money where your mouth yes. is. Um, and uh, you talked about um, you know working at the Pastoral Institute as uh, you were the former the former director at the Center for Servant Leadership. Yes. What is that like? You know because you were talking about faith in the workplace. Yes. The Pastoral Institute is is kind of has faith as kind yeah. of a, a center piece of yes. that. So is that. Um, as somebody that maybe is a man of faith, and, and d- does that does that help, or does that make it more challenging when you've got faith that's like, okay, it's out in the open. It's yeah, not like yeah. it's one of those things that should I, can I talk to them about that or not? Yeah. You know? Well, it, it, it depends <laughs> on who you're working with. And I like to point to other individuals in our society who I think are servant leaders, and you look at them and they don't wear their faith on their, their sleeves. It's like, this is who I am, you know, may the work I've done speak for me. Um, and I'm just going to continue to, to um, do the things in life that I've been in, bestowed upon by God to do. And, um, but it depends on the organization. It, it really does. And it also depends on what region of the country you're in. Yeah. You know, I, I've had people, yeah, I think I mentioned to you before, um, in my early days, I would get asked, well, you're not going to talk about God, are you? 
And I said, no, I really don't approach it like that, you know, when I'm doing these workshops. And, and they'd say, are you sure? I said, well, listen, I'm not going to talk about him, but he's going to be in the room. Okay? <laughs> he's going to be here the whole time. You know what I'm saying? So he's here, you know, but uh, it's just, you know, um, walk the life. Walk the life. Let your light so shine before men. Let them see your good works. Yeah. And that's how I approach it. And speaking of different parts of the country, I know that, and you were talking about speaking earlier, you yes. uh, said you've uh, spoken in 35 different states I've so, spoken, so yes, far. So far, 35 <laughs> different states, and I uh, can't remember most of them. <laughs> so is, of. is it, uh, do you find that uh, people are different in other parts of the country? Because we're so right now we're so focused on how America, unfortunately, is, is fractured yes. in, in so many ways, yes. whether it be politically or yes. you know, religion or, yes. or the COVID pandemic. Yes. So have you found that um, maybe we're more alike or different than we thought? Well, I think we all want to be loved. Okay. That's what we're looking for. At, 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 at its basic part of all this, we want to be loved. How we go about doing it, that's another thing. It depends on what part of the country I am. Um, I found people in the Midwest, a lot of them take to servant leadership. Sometimes in the Northeast, not so much. Um, I haven't spoken far, far west. So I couldn't tell you that one. Yeah. Yeah. So just different, uh, different strokes for different yes, folks, perhaps. Yeah. 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 And uh, some of your workshops, um, and I think you, you wrote a, a, a book about this as well, Defining yeah. Your Destiny. Yes. Um, so tell me about um, what that is, because you know, we all want to leave, leave yeah. a legacy behind, whether it be our kids yes. or the, our 50 years of working or whatever yes. else. So what is, what is it to define your destiny? It sounds like something magical. Well, you know? <laughs> here's the deal. So let, let me just tell you this. So for years, outside of the servant leadership workshop, and again, the most important characteristic of a servant leader is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I've always done what I call, the, uh, it's called emergenetics, and it's a brain-based personality assessment, okay? Um, it's used at a lot of companies around town. It's psychometrically sound, but what it does is it, it measures why you think and behave the way that you do. That's what it is. However, once you do that, the question was, you've gone through that workshop, the question is always asked, well, what's next? And so last year at the beginning of the pandemic, I was taking a look around. I I was watching on Facebook. People were just, they were distraught. They didn't know what to do. Um, I'm a leadership coach. I I coach people. And I noticed that there were a lot of people seemingly wanted to have coaching, but they couldn't afford it. They didn't know, you know, how to go about doing it. So I created the Define Your Destiny group coaching workshop. And basically, I talk about the importance of self-awareness, how to cultivate it uh, at the very beginning. I ask you a question. I said, I want you to describe a time when you were just totally motivated to do something. And then at the very end of the workshop, I take you back, particularly this time of year. We're doing this in November because what I like to do at the end of every year is to plan for the following year. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm doing I'm doing one next week at the very beginning, I'll ask, what are you totally motivated? I mean, when was the time you were totally motivated? What did it look like? What did it feel? What did you accomplish? What did you learn? And then at the very end of the workshop, we'll plan for the next 12 months. Like, mm. what do you want to accomplish? Go back. And here's another thing. When you ask somebody, what have they accomplished? I always ask, okay, what, what have you accomplished? When were you totally motivated? Write down as many steps as you possibly can during that process. I said, once you do that, those are your best practices. Hmm. You, take that, you take that, you don't have to go to the bookstore. You've got your best practices. And you take that, you follow those same steps there's a high probability you're going to be able to achieve something else. Yeah, yeah. And you're, the, the big word you mentioned earlier, people may be like, I've never heard of that word before. You are actually the only master emergenetics associate for Alabama and Georgia. Yes, I am. So emergenetics. Emergenetics. So emerge and then genetics. Yes. Tell me about, I mean, what is that? Because that, that sounds very fancy. Well, it's, it's about nature and nurture. <laughs> okay. And it was founded by Dr. Gail Browning. And which, by the way, a lot of people, a lot of your listeners, they may know of her because if you've participated in Leadership Georgia, Dr. Gail Browning, who is based in Colorado, has conducted Emergenetics at Leadership Georgia for years. I think she just stopped recently. So when I'm doing this workshop in, in any part of Georgia, occasionally people will walk up to me and say, do you know Dr. Gail Browning? I say, yes, I do, because she's a wonderful person. And so she and Wendell Williams, they developed it. Wendell is more of the scientist behind it. And they developed it in the mid-1980s. And they, they, they met each other. And they had this conversation. They said, wouldn't it be great if we could separate thinking from behaving when it comes to these personality tests? Because at that time, the thinking and behaving, they were, they were together. So in 1991, they went live. They profiled 10,000 people from around the country. And today, they've profiled more than 750,000 people. World, 30% coming from outside the United States. 
Yeah. And it's a beautiful instrument. I mean, it really, really is. And we have a lot of fun. There's a lot of music, a lot of up-tempo music. We've got people stationed around the room. And so you look around the room and you start saying, oh, so that's why Jason does what he does. <laughs> you can start picking up on And I can't turn it off. I, I, I just study people. I can't turn it off. And, cause, and people think about leadership, yes. and workshops, and yes. servant leadership. They think of, oh, that's that's going to be a stuffy thing. It's no, going to be, that's, no, no, no. oh, it's a, it's really going to be boring. No. We're going to hear about how to be a better leader. No. So, do, do, I mean, for you, I mean, you, you hope that it's not boring. Right? Let, let, let me tell you this. Let, let me tell you the cure to that. And it was... I got this cure years before I even got into this business, and that is, I was at Auburn University, and I had a class on a Friday afternoon in the fall. Now, that works two different ways, because when you're sitting in a class in the fall, in October, and we've got a home game against LSU, and everybody's outside, and you're sitting in a classroom, mm -hmm. you're like, I cannot believe I'm here. <laughs> Conversely, you're sitting in a classroom, and we, we're, we're out of town, and everybody's gone. <laughs> you're sitting... Like, oh my gosh, this is the most boring class. So I promised myself, I said, you know, if I ever taught a class, if I ever taught a class, I would, it would not be boring. Yeah. And that's where I try to, you know, I try to ask you a lot of questions. I don't do all the talking. I might ask a question, ask you, engage with other people. We'll debrief that. No, no. I don't think you can come to my workshops, knock on wood, and say, oh, it was boring. Yeah. No. <laughs> and I think at the beginning of your uh, speech at the uh, House of Heroes event, you uh, tried to get everybody to say War Eagle. Yes. But it was a chorus of diff different things. <laughs> yeah. You, you got some uh, Roll Tides. And hey, some you tell Barbara. Georgia. I did see her say, uh, 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 go dogs. Yeah. I saw that. I, was actually, I saw that. <laughs> my co-anchor Barbara also mentioned after she heard you speak for the uh -huh. first time, her uh -huh. and I both met you for the first time there, um, she mentioned that it was really, like you talked about earlier, yeah. you want people to go away thinking, man, that really made me think. Yeah. For her, it made her think a lot about self-awareness. Yes, yes. About Sometimes we don't think about that. We just yeah. kind of, you know, maybe we turn the filter off and yeah. we're just who we are and they're like, let the chips fall. They were yes. maybe they're going to like me or not like me or whatever. Yeah. So what is, I mean, how do you, what do you do about self-awareness? I mean, how do you how get, do you cultivate how do you get yes. to where you, I mean, like you know yourself, yeah. but how do you know yourself maybe in an environment where there's a lot of people or yeah. you're in a workplace? Well, the, the way you cultivate self-awareness, and I owe a lot of this to Dr. Tasha Urich, who I've done a lot of studies um, reading her stuff, is that one, way, one, of the way we, one of the ways we talk about is uh, mindfulness. That's a way, which is uh, the buzzword nowadays, being still, letting your mind rest. Um, another is, is what I call the creative walk. Like I have some clients based upon their personalities, I will tell them, it is very important that you take some time to just go and walk, just think, and just be, and, and let your mind wander and to dream. That's very important. Um, journaling is another way. Um, I, I journal based upon what I'm about to embark on. And so you may see journal entries from January to, to uh, December for me, where you may see entries from January to March, and then there's a break in April, and I may pick it back up in May because I'm about to embark on something. That's another way of doing it. So there are several ways to cultivate, obviously, reading um, and, and studying, uh, finding out more about yourself, finding out about life itself. That's another way because, Jason, 87% of workers are not fulfilled at work. Mm, wow. 87%. That's, uh, that's, that's a lot. Majority for sure. Yes. So if I'm speaking to an audience of 10. That means most of the people in here, they're not engaged at work. They may go and have fun. They may have an eight-hour day, but they're only working four or three. They're surfing on the Internet. They're, they're dreaming and waiting till they can't get off. You know, I can't wait till I get off work today. Yeah. I can't wait until this weekend. They're not focused on the moment because, A, they're not engaged because they don't know their purpose. They're not self-aware. And I, I was in that position. When I was an underwriter, I was in that position, being in the basement with no windows, looking at financial sheets all day long, and could not wait until Friday at 5 o'clock. You like to talk to people, not numbers. Yes, ex exactly. Oh, I, I got to use that. <laughs> well, yes. No, no, that, well, that's how you said it in yes, your speech. Yes, I, yes. I stole it from you. Okay, so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I just, it, I just, it just comes up. But I remember vividly on Friday nights, Friday when I would leave the bank at 5 o'clock, and 7 o'clock, of course, particularly if it wasn't football season, and I'm not at a high school football game, I would sit and say, wow, this is my favorite hour of the work week. Why? Because I've just put in a full week at work, and I don't have to go back for another 48 hours. And of course, in banking, you have those Monday holidays. So we knew every month when those Monday holidays were going to come, and I just could not wait. Yeah. Because like, it wasn't me. It's like that song, uh, Everybody's Working for the Weekend. Exactly. It's exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Which is good to enjoy that yes. fun time with your family yes, or friends. Yes, it is. It is. But uh, you, know, you want to enjoy Monday through Friday as exactly. well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, you talked about kind of reading, and uh, some people, you know, if, they, if they're Christian and believe in the Bible, you know, reading the Bible is oh, something that, I mean, that's the... My the, mother does it a lot. The, yes. true, the true instructional yes. book, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you have a verse that's on your social media, on your Facebook page, your personal, it's Proverbs thirteen twenty. Oh, my favorite T- one. Tell, tell me about that. Um, Proverbs thirteen twenty. he who walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Oh, so don't it, hang out with fools. Don't, don't <laughs> hang out with them. Um, I, I've told young people, I tell you know, you have to even tell adults, you know, yeah. um, be aware of the energy of the people you're hanging around, you know, because sometimes that can make or break you. And one of the things I tell leaders all the time, um, the two most important decisions that a leader will make, unfortunately, will be who you marry and who's your assistant. That Those are the two, because you got to be on the same page. And if you're not on the same page... You're not going to be able to use your gifts. Because um, sometimes, I mean, you spend more time with your coworkers you do. than you do your spouse, Yes, right? exactly. You do. We spend, Americans on average work, work uh, 50 hours a week, I believe. Mm. I think that's what it is. So we yeah. spend far more time um, at work than we do at home. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to be good servant leaders, yes. good people to be around at work and also at home. And one of the um, books you, I think this might have been the first book uh-huh. that you wrote, Stand Tall. Essays on life and servant leadership. Yeah. Yes. So so Stand Tall. I mean, I, you know, um, it makes me want to like yes. you know, sit up with, uh, yes. <laughs> a little bit of my posture. But um, what is what does it mean to, to stand tall? Because we all want to be liked. We yes. want to. We want to leave behind you know, some good stuff. Yes. So I got the title, Stand Tall. My father used to always tell me, stand up straight. Stand up, be a man. Someone can't jump on your back if you don't bend it. So that's what, that was the genesis of it. But it was really interesting how it came about. Because when I worked at the PI, the Pastoral Institute, I used to put out a newsletter or a blog once a month. But that was during the days of the PDF. Like It wasn't on a website or anything. And I remember our marketing person would say, Kelvin, it needs to be one page. That's about 500 words, 12 font times New Roman. So I know that if I'm writing a, a, fi- a one-page paper, it's going to be 500 words. And so I wrote so many of these. And then Kent Keith, who was the president and CEO of the Greenleaf Center, he had just got appointed the job. He comes to Columbus. He's meeting with me, and I think he met with Mr. Turner and a couple other people. And he said he wanted to publish more at the Greenleaf Center. And I said, really? I said, I would love to publish. I said, I have a collection of essays. And he said, are you serious about that? I said, yeah. That was the end of the conversation. Two weeks later, I get a phone call one morning. He goes, Kelvin. I said, yes. He says, this is Kent. I said, well, how are you doing? He goes, were you serious about publishing those essays? I said, yes. He goes, send them to me. So if, if that wasn't God sent, I don't know what it is, what was. And one thing led to another. But in it, I tell you what the definition of servant leadership is. I also go over the characteristics of, servant, of a servant leader. And there are a lot of stories that I, I just experiences that I had, some that are uh, they're fictional in the book, but they're actually real-life stories of things I've observed uh, in the workplace, outside of the workplace, and uh, I, I just I, I wanted to write about them. Yeah. And I would publish them every month, and people seemed like they liked them, and always, you know, a lesson in there about, you know, how to become a better servant leader and what have you, and... Um, is one thing led to another, and there it was. Yeah, well, with a lot of teachers or educators in your family, yeah. you maybe ne- you never thought you were going to be an author and a, a speaker, right? Who, who would have thought it? My, <laughs> my, uh, I thought it was so funny because my, my oldest daughter, um, she attends the University of Alabama, Birmingham. She's in medical school. And I remember one time years ago, she was with my parents, and they were playing. My, my, my sister, my dad, and my oldest daughter were playing trivia. And uh, when I got back to town, I said, well, who won? My dad said, well, of course, you know, your, your daughter won here. And he goes, he goes, yeah, it skipped a generation. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Dissing you. Yeah, yeah. That, that, oh. that analytical wit that he had. So yeah. how, many, how many kids do you have? I have two by my previous marriage and two, uh, I call them my children of choice because we choose to be in each other's lives. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. So yeah. It, what is it, um, you know, do you... Is it hard because, okay, you teach leadership. Yes. And so is it, um, do you have to put on a different hat when your dad, uh, maybe when they were younger or even now, you know, is, is it like, because like, you don't want to be like their leadership coach per se. I mean, right. maybe, maybe you do, you know, right? Uh, because so I, I guess that's the, um, for parents that are listening out there, you know, do, um, do you have to put on a whole different hat with your mom and dad versus like being boss or whatever else? Well, you, you kind of <laughs> tanker it back one a little bit. I remember my daughter one time I went through the coaching certification and I came home and sat her down and wanted to 
asked some questions. She goes, you went to a class, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, you just try to be yourself. Uh, and it's, sometimes I find myself, for, for instance, my uh, son of choice, I find myself trying to coach him. Um, and, and I do, because coaching is all about asking questions. That's what it is. Um, a lot of people, and I, and I talk about this in the Define Your Destiny workshop, a lot of people don't want to go to coaching because they think, A, you're going to be consulting. Well, that's not what a coach is. You think I'm going to be counseling. That's not what a coach is. You think I'm going to be teaching. That's not what a coach is. You think I'm going to be managing you. That's not. You think I'm going to be facilitating. No, I'm going to be asking you questions. That's what a coach does. Making you think. Making you think because if you come to me, Jason, and says, I have a goal in mind. Well, you probably already know what it is that you want. My job is to try to ask you the most analytical and directing questions that I possibly can to empower you to go out there and really make you think you've done it, which you have. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's your idea. Yeah. Now, yeah. every now and then, I will say this. When I'm meeting with somebody, because I try not to cross that, that threshold to parent or whatever, I will say, do you mind if I take off the coaching hat for a second? Because I've been where you've been. <laughs> and I want to I want to put on now I will put on the consulting hat for about five minutes and I want to give you some advice you know that kind of thing exactly yes it makes me think about um, you know uh, growing up I, I watched a lot of 1980s TV shows oh, okay uh, the Cosby show yes. um, there's a famous scene that I won't ever forget about how the dad and, and Theo were in in, in his room and <laughs> I know they what got you're the, they about, got yeah. monopoly money <laughs> yeah and he's telling him about you know I'm gonna give you this yeah. I'm gonna take this I'm just gonna eat uh, yeah. just you know just kind of sandwiches or yeah. whatever and take some back and you got a girlfriend you know so that's a that's a kind of a coaching or lesson yeah. as a parent because you know as we get older and we realize that man um, I, you know until you live it I guess yes. you don't you don't understand what maybe mom and dad talked about right and I will I'll tell you this I was telling my mom not uh, just I don't know thirty minutes ago coming over here I'm so glad my father was my father mm -hmm. because he had a difficult childhood but he made sure we didn't have a difficult childhood. And to this day, I mean, I am indebted to him for the way he brought me up. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was interesting because when he passed away, I reflected and I was like, wow, he did an awful lot for us. But at the same, he was tough. Like, I remember when um, the Jackson 5 came to town and I wanted to go to the concert and he wouldn't let me go. And I just booed all over the place. Yeah, I want to go. But he wouldn't. <laughs> that's before they were Michael and the Jacksons. Sure, sure. But at the same time, I realized, wow, he took you here. He took you there. Um, our favorite pastime was going to the Bradley Library, which I hated. And, and, but by him taking us two and three times a week, I developed this love of, of reading. Yeah. But when he would tell us, I'm like, I don't want to go to my sister. I'm like, we don't, don't want to go to the library. Like, really? All my children is coming on. I'm 11 years old. I want to watch TV. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I am, I'm very thankful to God that my father was my father. Yes. Well, nowadays, you've, you've got the, the, the cell phones and all that yes. other stuff to be distractions I know, for right? kids and adults. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you were talking earlier about the, the, the COVID pandemic. Yes. Um, about how, um, so this has been 18 months, almost two years yeah, now, yeah. really, that we've been going through this. Mm -hmm. And um, for you, it was, uh, there was a, a shift for, yeah. um, in terms of weight for you, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. tell me about how that happened, because you were saying, like, around this time of year, you typically are gaining weight, comfort yeah. foods, it's, it's yes. a fall and holiday season. So what happened? Was it something where you were like, okay, I want to be healthy? Or Well, well first of all, keep in mind, I, we really didn't, the, the way I see it, I really didn't uh, pay attention to, I paid attention to it, but it really didn't hit me until the first week of March. Because I scheduled a workshop with a client of mine uh, out in San Antonio. And I said, do you really want me to do this? And this was like on the first Thursday of March. And I sa they said, yeah, because it was inside of six weeks to get the, uh, the, the flights. So I, I reserved the flights. And two days later, it's like, Kelvin, we're shutting down everything. So prior to that, I had been traveling. And prior to that, it was the holidays. Okay, and so I was gaining weight during that time. And when I travel, oh, it's really a challenge. It's really a challenge to find what I, I can eat and this kind of thing. And so when the pandemic hit, you know, the first month or so, I'm just sitting on the sofa and I'm eating. and <laughs> Couch potatoes. You know, you know, I have a home office anyway, but my wife is home too now. And I'm working from the recliner and all this kind of stuff. And before you know it, it was like, I ballooned up. Ice cream, yes, chips. Yes, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, all of it. And um, <laughs> and I wasn't working because we didn't know what to do and this kind of thing. And I and I bought a treadmill. There was a run on treadmills too. Yeah, there I, was. I went out to Amazon. I could not find one. And I was like, my goodness. So it, that took like six weeks before it actually I actually got one. And uh, but finally, I think it was um, 
earlier this year, I just thought, okay, I've had enough of this. I don't like the way I'm looking. I didn't like the way I looked on, on the virtual. You know, I was like, you gained weight. And that's why I grew my beard, because I have chubby <laughs> cheeks. And I figured if I have a beard, it'll camouflage it a little bit. <laughs> and so then, I, 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 although I have a, a treadmill, I love going to Moon, Moon Lake in Phoenix City. Gotcha. I love being in tune with nature. I love walking around and have the earbuds in, and I'm meditating, and I'm listening. And it's, it's a joy of mine. Now that the weather is shifting, that treadmill is going to have to get a workout. It's going to have to get a workout. But that's what, and I started eating the right foods because I realized I was eating the wrong foods as well. Yeah. Mm. And do you think that is kind of part of, I mean, it's not part about being a leader, but kind of uh, modeling a healthy lifestyle? Oh, it's huge. And that's something I'm very aware of. And I tell my clients because it takes a great deal of energy to lead. It takes a lot of energy. I mean, a lot of times, particularly in your industry, you could be a school principal where you're getting phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning. You're working until 4.15, but guess what? We got a middle school basketball game after school. I got to go attend it. We got a soccer game. We got a PTA meeting, you know? And depending on whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, some people are energized by being alone. Some people are energized by being around other people. So, yeah, it takes, an, it takes a lot of energy to lead and to lead effectively. Yeah. So was, what's next for you, I mean, in terms of uh, I mean, another book, or do yeah. you, are you kind of traveling all around um, you know, Georgia, Alabama, or around the country speaking and talking about leadership? Well, right now it's just been Georgia and Alabama, number one. Um, I have not gotten on a plane to go out and fly to any other client. A lot of my clients who are in other states, they're still virtual. I mean, I'm still working with them virtually, but I have not gone, um, you know, traveled by plane or gone to Atlanta. It's all been virtual. Now, with some of the schools that I've been working with in Alabama and Georgia, it's all in person. Uh, so I've got that going on. Um, there, there are certain, th- certain things that I have to work on every day, like I put out a weekly blog. So that requires writing. I'm working on a Ph.D., so that requires writing. And, uh, and then I'm also going to write a book on my father. Uh, I, didn't, I couldn't touch it the first year he, he passed away. I, I was in this state of, of depression, did not even realize it. I was just going through life in, in most of 2018 because he died in February 2018. Mm-hmm. So I, I dusted off his, his scrapbooks. Wow. And every game he's ever coached, we've got documented. So it, it's not like you can say, well, did he win 325 games or 323 or, or did he win 200? No, no, no. We've got every game. So when he was coaching... We'd always get the Ledger Inquirer. One time it was just the Ledger, and then it was the Inquirer until they merged. And he'd give it to my mom, and she cut out the article, and she put it in a book. Wow. And all the photographs. So the actual seasons, they're well documented. The things that I really got to write about was, you know, his growing up, his, his life, and, uh, and, and his philosophy of coaching and teaching. Because when he passed away, as well known as he was in the basketball world, I mean, the students just showed up. I mean, there were a lot of students he taught. Yeah, well, tell, mm-hmm. now where, now where and what, what sport did he coach? My father was a head basketball coach at Central High School in Phoenix City from 1974 to 1989. Gotcha. And he was Bi-City Coach of the Year on multiple occasions, State Coach of the Year. He's the one that put the basketball program on the mark. Wow. And so he was also a chemistry and physics teacher. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chronicle that. So for for you, I mean, growing up in that environment, yes. Well, and you're obviously still a big, you know, high school, college basketball, yes. football oh, fan. Oh yes, big time. So I mean, does that love of sports? I mean, is that like for you? Is it is it fun or is it just like it's part of me? You know, kind of thing. Uh, both. Okay. It, it can be nerve wracking too, <laughs> oh, sure, depending sure. on you know. Yeah. The, which I will say this though, and and I say this in jest, but I'm really really serious. I can't imagine being a fan of a team that doesn't win. <laughs> because it is really a lonely, boring fall if your football team is not winning. Yeah. It can be really a long winter if your basketball team is not winning. Well, last year your Dallas Cowboys didn't. Well, they, the yeah. Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> no, but, you know, the, the Cowboys, that's, that's, that's another story. Sure. They're, they're, they but, weren't real to me. <laughs> Central High School in East Alabama, well, they, they do pretty well. Central High School, we've been doing very, very well. And of course, I'm an Auburn Tiger. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those where you just really, really have to just, you do a lot of praying. Yeah. And uh, you cut out swearing because you not realize that's not going to do any right. good, and you just hope. <laughs> but you can you can learn a lot, you oh, know, you can, in, in oh, life and sports from oh losing, right? Oh, sports teaches you a <laughs> lot of lessons. Yeah, they, yeah, they really, really do. Matter of fact, I would encourage every kid out there to get involved in sports because you got to know what it's like to lose. You've got to know what it's like to work as hard as you possibly can and come up short. But then you've got another game in a week or two or three days, and you've got to put that behind you. And that's the way life is. Yeah, because, I mean, because your boss, 
and you're you know in life itself they're not going to hand you things yeah, yeah. and say oh here you go yeah. you, you know you have to kind of learn that like there's going to be ups and downs yeah right? and here's another thing i've done some research and i think this number is correct i'm 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 95 <laughs> but do you know in the history of the world cup every four years everybody gets oh we're gonna win we're gonna win do you realize only 11 countries have ever won mm, yeah it's not a lot yeah <laughs> so you've got to work extremely hard at sports, even to say, okay, life is a series of adversities, just uh, overcoming adversities, just like sports. And when the opportunity comes, when you're in that championship game, you don't know if you'll ever get back. Exactly. So you got to put, put it all out there on the field. Exactly. Right? I look at Dan Marino. Yeah. Played in the Super Bowl, what, first or second year in the NFL, and he never made it back. Yeah. Sad state of affairs. So, well, well, Kevin, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. I appreciate it. Wish you all the best. And uh, hopefully folks will get a lot out of uh, what, you, what you talked about today with uh, servant leadership and finding kind of our why. Yes. Uh, because uh, we're, we're all searching still. We are. We're, we're we are. ever we are. growing, right? Yes, 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 yes. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. And I'm looking forward to that uh, third book that he's working on right now, kind of a a memoir to his dad, who, again, a very popular basketball coach in the East Alabama area, bringing his high school central to prominence. So uh, that's that's why he loves sports, and, and so do I. You know, sports really has a lot of correlation to, to life and the ups and downs and, and leadership, all kinds of things. So uh, we thank Kelvin for his time and uh, looking forward to uh, talking to him more in the future. Uh, maybe I'll get some free advice from him on uh, how, how to be uh, just, you know, a leader in, in many different ways. And uh, that has to do with our parting gift, one of our final segments of the podcast today, uh, which uh, deals with uh, servant leadership. And this one comes from the Bible. It's uh, Mark 9.35 in the uh, New King James Version. It says, And he sat down, called the twelve, this is Jesus, And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. So uh, you've heard that before. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. So um, sometimes, you know, we want to... We want to be in front. We want to be the ones getting the attention, which is, you know, maybe not a bad thing sometimes, but, um, you know, maybe putting ourselves kind of behind the scenes and really letting somebody else take the credit or whatever else. And um, and, and, and that way, that's that's being a servant leader and giving to others, letting them, you know, be take the glory. Because it's not about that, the glory for ourselves. It's about really the glory for God, and, 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 and honestly. And this is, you know, he was uh, talking to his disciples in Capernaum, Jesus was, and there was that dispute. And they were arguing about, you know, who would be the greatest. And um, so, you know, Jesus kind of taking that concept of servant leadership and uh, showing these guys how it is. And speaking of servant leaders, I, I kind of teased it earlier. You know, this is Veterans Day, or maybe you're listening to this right after Veterans Day. You have maybe the day off work or the day off school and, and want to know, you know, what's, what's this day all about? It's about honoring those who have um, served in, uh, in the military and in capacity and uh, sacrificing for us. And uh, I've, I've had the opportunity, you know, especially here in the Fort Benning area, to talk to a lot of veterans and soldiers and heroes uh, along the way during my two years of doing this podcast. So I wanted to kind of give you a quick recap of some of those. If you get a chance, listen, you know, jot this down, these numbers, and you, know, you can go to listen to some of these episodes and, and be inspired like I was. Um, episode number 13 this is out of the you know eighty plus episodes. We had a CrossFit and a former soldier's second chance. Uh, this was gym owner Elliot Quinones, uh, who did some of his own podcasts for a while there as well, and has, does a great job in East Alabama. Uh, number twenty-four podcast: Former soldier gets honest about racism, running, and Christ. This is Patrice Riley, and she was talking, um, you know, about about you know she loves to run and work out, but she was also talking about Ahmad Arbery because this is just after he had been killed while being out jogging in the Georgia area, and that that trial is going on as we speak. Um, then right after that, the twenty-fifth episode was a deadly blast survivor who uh, is now an Army chaplain. Uh, that episode has become very popular. Uh, the 34th episode of the, the Run the Race pod, that Black Hawk Down leads to Army Rangers higher calling. That's Pastor Jeff Struker, who's in the uh, Ranger Hall of Fame. The 43rd and 45th episodes of this pod, a war veteran gets you ready for the end times. That's David Giamona with his uh, instructional book 
uh, about uh, you know how this in Armageddon that we're kind of looks like we're kind of heading down towards, and then uh, walking across America to the sa- save the lives of uh, military vets. One of the veterans uh, that it's kind of he's walking all across uh, Georgia and and really the na- the nation. The fifty second and fifty fifth episodes. Uh, one was a, a war soul survivor telling the story of three wise men, a title of their uh, their book, retired Marine Sergeant Bo Wise, who lost his two brothers in battle, and his his author, a co-author, Tom Saleo, a friend of mine. And then also uh, that, that episode I mentioned as well, 55, Singing Soldier, which is Tim Maggard. He survived COVID and uh, with the help of music and God. And he gives us some tunes as well. He sings a lot better than I do, I promise. Uh, the 60th episode, Drill Sergeant Turn Pastor Derek Shields in the Columbus, Georgia area, uh, talks about hope and Black Lives Matter. Does not shy away from the controversial uh, aspects of that as well. The 68th episode, Soldiering Through Obstacles to Live with Purpose and Faith. We all want to do that, right? Speaking of soldiering through, this is a fellow podcaster uh, host, uh, Devin Rodriguez. Hope you get a chance to listen to his, the One Life podcast. And uh, the 76th episode, so this is a little more recent, uh, Shooting Her Way to Olympic Gold. This was Army Officer Amber English, who simply says, don't quit. Uh, so she did amazing, winning, bringing home Olympic gold to uh, Fort Benning. And then the, uh, the, one of the latest episodes involving a, a military hero and veteran, uh, number 82 of Run the Race, Army Major is all about fitness and nutrition. This is Dwayne Webb, who leads free fitness boot camps at a local park. And uh, so uh, from, from friends of mine was listening to that, and they said, hey, I'm going to go check that out. So uh, I hope you do. So again, once uh, once again, just thank you so much uh, for listening, uh, taking the time out of your day, whether you're uh, out uh, exercising, walking, uh, maybe commuting in your car, listening to this episode. And I'm going to close now in prayer. Dear God, uh, just thank you for um, for all our veterans. Uh, for we, 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 we pray for their families. You protect them as as these uh, men and women in uniform are out deployed or training or in really dangerous situations. And God, uh, we talked earlier about uh, servant leadership and, and, and giving others, putting others first. That God, that you can help us to be more selfless than selfish. And, uh, you know, if there's someone that we know dealing with mental health issues, uh, and like we, we, you know, heard about in that song, uh, that, uh, you know, that we will, we will lend a hand to them and that people will get the help they need. And uh, there's so much uh, darkness in this world that, God, that you, you, will, you provide the only light that truly heals and helps us get through it and come out the other side with breakthrough. your name we pray, amen. So, uh, again, thank you uh, so much. Um, man, it was great to talk to Kelvin about uh, being a servant leader. You know, we you hear about that concept, but uh, he really kind of uh, framed it for us and explained it in a really easy-to-understand way. And uh, if you missed last week's episode, we had a gentleman who uh, runs pretty much a marathon every week, and he's done that for almost 10 years. It's crazy. Uh, I can barely run, you know, uh, I don't know, four or five marathons in a year. And so that's every other month, and he's doing it, uh, you know, every weekend. Uh, And he's in his 60s. (laughs) So pretty crazy. You want to listen to that episode. Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week and weekend. And uh, we'll shout at you next time.